Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 50. Today, I'll be interviewing Karen Levis. Karen Levis has an LMSW from Hunter College, an MFA in creative writing for children and young adults from the new school, where she now teaches and advises. She's the author of a number of picture books, including Ida Always, Stop That Yawn, and Mama's Work Shoes. And today, she'll be talking about her beautiful picture book, This Way Charlie, um, which was inspired by a real animal friendship. If you want to learn more about Karen, definitely visit her website. She's got lots of resources, and you could learn all about her and all of her books at uh, KarenLevis.com. So thank you so much for being here today, Karen. Thank you so much for inviting me. So I'm really excited for you to we'll talk about all your books, but specifically your new book, This Way Charlie, which, which I've had for a little while, and I've read many, many times, and um so maybe what we could first do is you could talk a little bit about about the book, what it's about, and what inspired you to write the book. Absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so the summary of the story that I've written, which is illustrated by Charles Santoso, who's an incredible illustrator. Um, and this is sort of a companion book to a book we have, the Ida Always book. But in this book, the summary is basically that Jack is a goat and he lives at Open Bud Ranch, which is a place that cares for all kinds of animals if they're sick or injured or if they just need a home. And it's the ranch is a really friendly place, but Jack hasn't made friends yet because he gets nervous around a lot of animals and noises. So he sort of he keeps to himself. Then one day, um, Charlie, a new horse, arrives at the ranch, and Charlie is super excited to make new friends and bumps literally physically right into Jack. Um, Charlie bumps completely by accident, and the reason he bumps into Jack, besides the height difference, is that Charlie the horse is actually losing his eyesight. He's going blind, and that's why he's come to the ranch um, to be given some time to sort of get to know his new body. And Jack... um, because of this getting bumped is the just the least favorite thing for Jack. He stays away from Charlie the horse. Um, and the thing about staying away from Charlie and kind of keeping an eye on what he's doing is that he actually starts noticing things about Charlie and he starts noticing saying he's very gentle and funny and that they have some things in common. And so one day Jack decides to be brave and um, befriend Charlie the horse and help him get to know the, the ranch. Um, and it the story then follows their friendship and how they get to know each other more and more. And it's not always easy for them because they're both, uh, they're very different. They're literally different, you know, animals. Um, and they also are dealing with different challenges, but they stick to it and they end up really helping each other face some of their own personal challenges. And it kind of turns out that they're the right friends who meet at the right time. Um, so that's the story that takes place in the book. Um, and it's actually inspired by a real story. Um, so I had seen a snippet um, on a sort of special about different animal pairings. And there was um, a horse, a real horse whose name really was Charlie and a goat whose name really was Jack who met at an animal sanctuary. Um, and the real sanctuary is called Wild Heart Ranch and it's in Oklahoma. And it's a rehabilitation and release place. So they take in animals 
of all kinds who need help for all kinds of reasons and help them heal, help them grow, and then set them um, into the wild. Except sometimes there's animals who um, become residents there because they can't be released for one reason or another. Um, so Jack was uh, the goat um, in the real life story was one of those longtime residents. And in real life, Charlie the horse did come, uh, was new to the ranch and was losing his sight and um, couldn't really get around on his own. And the people of the ranch were actually concerned about this horse and how he would sort of manage. And then one day, Jack the goat spontaneously um, of his own decision befriended the horse and started walking the horse um, back and forth to the to the pasture every day. And this went on for about 16 years and they became really close buddies um, and, you know, were observed to just really kind of be interested in each other company all the time. So that was where the real story came. Um, when I heard the story, I was just, you know, it was a short, short piece that I saw and I was immediately just knew I wanted to write a story about it for two reasons. And one reason was the animal story because I loved that it showed how these two animals can make a connection and form a bond and have sort of emotions that are similar to the ones humans do. And there's more and more research to kind of prove this thing um, that humans don't have a monopoly, you know, on, on feelings. And so this was a story that sort of showed um, these two animals could have that. And the other reason I immediately knew that I wanted to tell a story is it just reminded me of some human, especially kid friendships that I've seen in my role as an educator and friend and particularly a couple. And there had been some really special friendships of kids who were sort of navigating things that seem really challenging. Um, and yet managed to do that together um, to a way that often surprised adults around them. And I always wanted to tell that story and this seemed like the right, the right place to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, of the, one of the things that I also wanted to say was just that I think one of the things that I got, one of the big things that I got out of the book too, from, you know, from my kids when I was reading to them is that there's different way to see things. You know, we don't just see things with our eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, you know, Charlie and Jack learned from each other was that, you know, you could be visually impaired, you could be blind. I mean, in that respect, but there's lots of ways to see, to see things, you know, it's not just through your eyes, but it's through your other senses. And um, I just loved, I just loved the whole friendship, um, the whole story behind it, because I think for kids, you know, we can really learn that, you know, two people could be very different. Um, But in the story, they helped each other, you know, they bonded with each other. And, um, it's, it's just a, I think it's just a beautiful lesson about, about love and friendship and especially about kindness, because I think that what you were saying about, about um, being brave, going up to, um, let's say, whatever, for, for maybe in this, in this book, it's an animal, but even for a child going up to another person that may not know and initiating friendship does take courage because it's a risk. You don't know how it's going to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I really, um, I've, I worked with kids in a lot of different ways and there was just sort of like a couple years that I spent with, um, one group of kids that a lot of my stories kind of end up being in some way inspired by. And, um, and that was one, there was just like a, there was, um, there's a few stories and the story is not about any specific one, but there was just one that's always been in my heart. That was two kids and one had, you know, um, 
sort of, you know, was had a lot of impulsive things going on and the other kid had a lot of anxiety going on. And these are, uh, one was extremely social and uh, really involved in all the kids, sort of, you know, Mr. Mr. Friends with everyone. And the other child was, uh, you know, really still not, um, you know, we were still working on just making those connections and being interested in friendships. And, uh, and it had nothing to do with anything me or any of the other adults did, but they found each other. And um, it was such a beautiful thing to watch how they navigated their own differences and their own challenges. And there were bumps along the way, <laughs> you know, there were block buildings that got destroyed and uh, some tears, but really they just um, found special things about each other that they really loved and their friendship remained um, for many, many years and still, still continues. So um, I was really inspired by that. It kind of leads me into my next question, which is, you know, your job as a licensed social worker, I think it's such a really like beautiful way to combine. I mean, being uh, a children's book author and a social worker, because you have like that, that background, that experience with emotions. And so I just wanted to ask, you know, a little bit about how that career influences your writing. Yeah. Well, what's really funny is I feel like I've done it sort of in the reverse way that most people do, right? <laughs> I feel like most people are like, become, you know, are the doctor or the teacher, and then they start uh, writing a book about their experiences where I sort of, um, I just got licensed in 2017. Um, and, but it had been, so me getting the degree, I'll just back up for a second, was sort of the completion of my, what do I want to be when I grow up journey? Because when I was a kid, I wanted, I think I was like first grade and I decided I wanted to write books for kids um, because I loved reading them. And then I wanted to be around second and third grade. I decided I wanted to be an actor because I'd gone to the theater and I love that. And then around uh, fifth and sixth grade, I started learning about the world and things that kids in the world go through. And I decided that I didn't have the words for it then, but I wanted to be somebody who helped kids. Um, and so later on, I, you know, knew that that word would be, you know, a social worker, a child psychologist. Um, so it's always been my interest. So when I write books, I've always been particularly interested in the social, emotional and communication aspects of things. Um, I did a lot of arts education for years that was, you know, using drama and creative writing to teach social, emotional skills, to explore um, communication, using role play, all that kind of stuff. So um all that is to say is it was always there. And so I decided to go, I thought about it on and off for a long time. And so I went to social work school um, as a way to just deepen my um, knowledge base on things that I'd been sort of doing for a while and have more of a, more of the language, vocabulary and skill set, and be able to go deeper into the work. Um, and I didn't really have a plan, you know, I knew I still wanted to do both. So for me, it kind of came together because um Ida Always, which is sort of the, the companion book to This Way, Charlie, that's also illustrated by Charles Santoso. That book came out in 2016, and that book is another based on a real-life animal friendship story. And this one is about loss and bereavement um, and, you know, and again, about how friends face these difficult things together. And so I was in my second year of social work school and I got to intern at the Jewish board um, in their loss and bereavement program. And so um, I sort of had written the book first and then I dived into the experience of working with kids and all of the research and um, which helped me create actually a free guide that's on my website that goes along with that book. Um, and I'm creating one for This Way Charlie as well. So um, 
all that is to say is I'm always inspired. Like I've always been inspired as a writer by the kids that I am working with uh, before social work and now included. So the awesome and amazing kids that I've worked with in lost and bereavement groups, um, because really I'm interested in the way kids explore emotions that a lot of us as adults find scary or challenging um, because we have such, we have so much more life experience. And so of course we, you know, don't want kids to feel sad. We don't want kids to feel afraid. And those are hard emotions no matter what, but kids approach it from this place of curiosity and creativity and play. And so being around them is always inspiring me in terms of um, writing more. Um, And then in terms of using the degree, I get to use the degree to create um, materials, right, that will hopefully help uh, caregivers, educators, parents, um, ways to discuss um, sort of the tougher topics and to learn more about emotions um, through the activities. And I also then have used the um, the degree to sort of help create, I always, I love doing author visits and I love, it's always, I'm mo- you know, it's always involves literacy, but Primarily, my love is social emotional literacy. So I do role play and activities with the kids. And so now I've created a couple of workshops that are actually specifically for caregivers. Um, one's called Words for Loss and the other one's called Turn to Me that are specifically for caregivers. We're just looking for more tools um, and techniques to use books to explore, you know, topics and to explore emotions with kids. I think that's fantastic, because especially now during this pandemic, you know, parents are, you know, we need, we need more resources. You know, we have, you know, there's so much out there. Um, but for any of the parents listening right now, I mean, it's just to hear your voice and to read your books and then to be able to go to your website and, and also see your workshops and your coaching. I think it's, and, and there's a lot of emotions right now with the pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of big emotions and there's a lot of loss too. I mean, you know, for kids, their, you know, their whole schedule is different. They, they don't see their friends and they're not going to school. Um, and so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of loss there. And, and so the next question I wanted to ask you is just about, um, you know, just some tips for parents about what they could do to kind of, I know this is probably in your guide, but just to help mm-hmm. facilitate talking about emotions during the storytelling, because, you know, that we all of us have really big emotions now, you know, I mean, the mm-hmm. kids have emotions, the parents have emotions, because, you know, we're in, you know, we're inside our house, we're not um, going to do our normal schedule, we have to social distance. So, you know, just some tips for parents, I think would be really, really helpful. Yeah, and these are things that I like have in the guide, and I'll be putting out more, I put out already some sneak peek, um, activities for this way, Charlie, that you don't need the book yet to have that are just some creative ways of like deep breathing um, and some imagination kind of exercises about, um, you know, how to sort of bring some peace and calm. Um, So I think, you know, in general, like so, um, and so many, there's so many people who, you know, are so great at talking about all this stuff. But when you're reading a book, right, it's just such a great tool. And kids are so, um, it's also a way that kids can let you know what they need. Because really, I think I, I, um, especially when I was working with Ida always and the guide, I had a lot of parents and people ask, you know, like being worried about doing something wrong, right? Like saying something wrong that they're going to, you know, make their kids feel more afraid or, you know, something like that. And the thing is really, 
if you're having the conversation with kids, if you're letting them know it's okay to express whatever you're feeling with me and it's okay to ask me any question, like that's that's sort of enough, right? Like as a baseline, like you're you're okay. And it's also okay to really um to make a mistake, right? It's okay to say the wrong thing. Um and and say, you know what? Um I, I wasn't ready actually to answer your question, but it's so important. So I'd like to think about it and try again, right? Um, but using books, really, you can just read the book and let kids show you what page they want to dwell on. Let them show you what page they want to skip. That'll tell you something too, if there's a lot of big feelings that they're they're signaling to you. Like, I'm not ready for that today, right? And that's okay. And I write the book. You know what I mean? I've written books. I'm like, it's okay if they don't want, if they want to skip some pages that day. And other days they're going to want to dwell on a book and ask you a million questions. Um, so I think one things you can do is really just couching it in the character. I'm a big, because um, I did a lot of role-playing uh, was one of the, some of the educational work I did uh, was, you know, actors coming in doing role plays. So I'm a big believer in um, distancing and the use of that. So like using the characters to talk about feelings really allows a safe space for kids to kind of explore um, and use their imagination. So you can say, if you're looking at this way, Charlie, and you're looking at the page where Jack is kind of hiding behind a bush, you can kind of say like, how do you think, you know, Jack is feeling right now and let them you know, come up with some ideas and, and whatever their ideas are, the most important thing is to validate them, right? Just to say, yes. I always say one of the best things that you can start off, um, which comes from my theater background is to say yes. And right. Um, it doesn't matter. You might think that Jack looks worried and, and sad and your kid might say happy and just say yes. And what's telling you that Jack is happy right now, right? So you're saying yes, because they're expressing a feeling and then letting them tell you why they think that right now, because it's just in that sort of learning and emotional learning, there's no need to correct or um, you really want them to feel it's okay to say whatever they think. Um, and so you can always say yes and then redirect. You can say yes and tell me why you think he looks happy. That's so interesting. We have different things. Sometimes when, you know, people have looked really different and we don't even know how they're feeling unless we ask them, you know, if we ask Jack, what do you think he might say? So validating it, saying yes, and then you can model and you can add yours. You can say, and I see something different. I'm seeing a little bit of worry in Jack, right? If you want the conversation to go there. Um and then you can broaden it out from there, from the characters. So I often in school visits would then say something like, what are some times that people might feel worried, right? So I don't even go directly to the kid yet. I just say in general, like, what are some, what are some places where people might feel worried? And so a child might say, when things are really, you know, crowded on the subway, or they might say, or when they're waiting in line, you know, for a, for a, a toy they really want, right? Um, and you can just let them explore that way. And then you can, you know, kind of point and be like, do you, you know, have you ever felt worried? When have you felt worried? So you can kind of take it from that level of keeping it on the character and then bringing it closer to the kid um, is one sort of technique of using the two. Um, I also always let parents to know that modeling is great, right? A lot of times, especially with Ida always. Um, and then I think this way, Charlie is really an uplifting book, but it's emotional. And parents say, oh, I get teary and I'm worried that the kids, you know, my child's going to be worried about me crying. And I'm in, and my answer is always, it is wonderful to let them see you show human emotions and let them see that you can feel sad 
and that you can work through that and let them see what you do to make yourself feel okay, even though you're feeling sad. And that is different than if you are going through something as an adult, especially right now in the pandemic, right? It's that whole idea of you have to take care of yourself to take care of your kids. Um, that, you know, if you are overwhelmed and you are going to be, um, you know, really bawling and super emotional, that's a time where you, you know, take that for yourself and find a moment to do some self-care um, before you dive into it with your kid. But if you're just getting a little bit teary because you're moved or you're remembering something, um, you can say, you know, this makes me think of, you know, this time or so-and-so I'm having some feelings, you know, I'm really thinking about the way Charlie is going through a big change and how that might be hard for him. And it makes me feel a little uh, teary, you know, so I'm going to take some deep breaths right now so we can keep reading, we can keep reading together, right? It's a great, it's a great time to model um, that sort of thing. So yeah. And then, and then, you know, and then making it playful, right? I am, you know, I have this theater background, so um, there will be um, sometime up this month, there will be, um, I think there will be a video up of me giving an example of a role play that you can do at home with your kid um, in order to like be brave to make friends, right? Because I'm a big believer of getting up on your feet and making the explorations of even these tough things um, uh, joyful. So for Ida always, if you go to my website, there's a free downloadable guide. And in that, for example, Charles Santoso made these beautiful feelings faces uh, for the bears emotions and a game I, which I've written up there that you can play is you act out, you pretend you're polar bears having all different feelings and making all different kinds of growls, happy growls, proud vowels, um, you know, uh, confused growls. Um, and it's a way to just explore it through make-believe and and fun, right? Which I think it's important to let kids know that, you know, even these like, even if you're feeling harder feelings, you can, you can play, you can have play with them. Um, exactly. Yeah. And it's fun for adults to play. And the other thing that I'm also thinking too, just with all this online learning, you know, because we're on the screen so much with so yeah. like role play is that you don't need a screen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. that you kind of role play in yourself and, just to kind of touch on what you were saying about modeling, because, you know, I'm constantly modeling, like, just because I'm just doing it for work all the time as well, that, you know, talking about those feelings, exactly what you were saying about, you know, talking about the characters and how they feel, because I think a lot of kids um, learn emotions by learning about different characters and how they feel. And mm-hmm. then you know, just through my work um, that I've done with children and adults, is that, you know, we start almost, we start with characters and then after, you know, after some time, it's different for each person, but then they eventually start to understand what it's like, how they feel. Um, but having yes. all of those words, because I think a lot of us, you know, as adults, we think, of course, our kids know the you know, all different emotions, but a lot of kids don't have the words for this specific emotion. They don't really know. Right like what anxious or worried or scared. And just the one things I also want to touch on too, about making friends. Now, after this, you know, when this pandemic does pass, um, you know, making new friends is going to be a little bit different because, you know, we've been social distancing so much. Yeah. So I think it's going to take even more courage to kind of come up to somebody um, and initiate that because it's going to be really hard. And I think we're not going to see sort of the after effects until it's, you know, kind of when things are a new normal after this. But, you know, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot. 
Uh, yeah, I have two. And I think that that's going to be, there's going to be a lot of reintroduction to friends that we know too, especially with the young ones. Um, you know, also, especially, I think a lot about the young ones who, you know, just went through this whole learning curve about making friends and friends. And now, you know, are sort of being told, you know, we're not, we're not seeing our friends now and are going to have to go back to that. And it's going to be a bit, um, kids are super resilient though. And are going to be able to navigate that. And honestly, I think it's going to be a lot of them letting us know, right, how to how to do it. Because kids are really, if you observe them and just kind of guide, you know, give them, let them know you're there and give some guidance, but they'll, they'll really tell you. Um, and that's why, like, in my books, when I get stuck about what's next, I, I really, um, I was, it often comes from something a kid says. So, for example, like you were saying, you know, in terms of, you know, getting to, you know, how to be, friends again after this. Um, I also think it's going to be, you know, it's different also right now in your own homes with the people that you are, you know, distancing with and that that's changing those relationships. And a lot of times it's for the positive, right? It's nice to be together, but also um, it means there's nowhere else to go for an outlet. And so there can be some snapping and irritable moments that I'm sure are happening for kids and adults everywhere. And so, so in this way, Charlie, one of the things that I, was really important to me to have was that these two friends at, on their journey to become friends um, also get into a fight. And uh, Jack the goat, um, who for him, right, making friends has been really hard. And then Charlie, who's totally well-meaning, is sort of uh, nudging him to, to join in with some other animals. And Jack's just not ready. He's not ready, but he also, like you said, doesn't have the language yet to express that, to say, I'm not ready. And so what happens is he just has these really big feelings that build up and come um, exploding out. And he says something really mean to his dearest, dearest friend. Um, And I think that that's something that we also like during this time and after this time are going to have to navigate of like, what happens when we, when we accidentally, you know, hurt somebody we love's feelings, you know, when we have a fight and how do we come back um, from that? And I think um, that that's something that I was inspired to write out of um, another kid that I'd known years ago, but I still remember who was a kid who um, was very, you know, would run around, had a lot of energy. And he wasn't a kid who we normally thought of as particularly expressive about his feelings or emotions. And I think this was like kindergarten, first grade. And, um, but he was a, he had a big heart and he also had a very big body, right? So if he got excited or energetic, he could, he could not purposely, but become intimidating. And so he had a fight with his really dear friend and they got into a really big argument. And I think there was pushing involved. And afterwards um, we talked to him and he said, I have the quote from him. He said, um, I think part of it was a misunderstanding. Then I said things just because I was so mad that were mean. But like, I didn't really want to say them. And so I think those are the conversations we, you know, right now when we're getting, having big feelings, we want to encourage kids to be able to have. And I think that when we come out of this, right, we want to encourage kids to have those conversations of like, I missed you. And I feel really, you know, kind of shy actually again right now, um, which might happen, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and also kids learn by modeling too, as well, like for us as parents. So I think that's another thing too, because if you are apprehensive to kind of be with your friends again, when it's, you know, it's safe to do so, your kids are also going to watch it. 
Absolutely. Um, so that's one thing, you know, kind of I keep in check because if my kids are feeling a certain way, I'm like, well, let me look at myself. <laughs> let me look at what I'm doing because most likely yeah. it's probably coming from, you know, from me. And like, you know, if I just want to make sure to keep myself, you know, like, okay, well, how am I feeling? Yeah. If I'm anxious and my kids are anxious, well, it's because I'm anxious. So I need to kind of like go do some self-care or take care of myself and, you know, kind of come back a little bit more calm. Um, and you know, I just find books such a great way of kind of expressing your emotions. Um, and I think this book is just so appropriate at this time, you know, during this difficult time, because I think there's so many great lessons that you could take from it. And so many, and also a book that you could consistently read like many times. I mean, you know, that's what I always encourage parents to do. Don't just read the book once, you know, you could read this several times and get different things out of it each time. Thank you. I really appreciate that because that's always, you know, my, you know, my big hope is that it might be useful and helpful for someone. And, and this way, Charlie is particularly just something I've, um, because it was so inspired by kids that I've known over the years, um, you know, as well as these like beautiful animals themselves, like if there's a way that they might help, you know, another reader and their family kind of navigate something difficult, that's just sort of the dreamiest thing for me to to think could happen. Yeah. And so, and just one of the other things I also, I know you mentioned your workshops and coaching and for anyone who is interested to go to Karen's website and check that out. But I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to add to that, or you wanted to add just to our conversation before we finish up today. Um, yeah, I just would love it if people want to come. I will be adding um, because I love doing visits so much. So right now I'm developing some ways to have potentially having some sort of, you know, virtual groups or playdates with the story time events or we can kind of maybe do some role plays together, actually. Um, so I'll be trying to figure that out. So if people want to check back there and I have some story times coming up as well. Um but uh, yeah, that's really like, I think it's a time to really just read. There's so many great books out there um, and it's a nice time, you know, just to be reading together, which does take you, you know, to, to have that balance from online and, and off. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Karen. And it's really special that you're a number 50 podcast. Yeah. I am honored. Really, I'm super I honored. I, I love I love your book. I feel you know really connected with the story, um, and I and I'm definitely gonna. I mean, I've read Ida Ida always, um, but I also want to like check out your other book, which is Mama's Work Shoes. Um, yeah, as well. I actually, thank you. It's funny, Mama's Work Shoes. I was joking because it's about. And it's actually, it's also about transition and change and routine. It's just, it's a little bit the opposite of right now. It's, you know, a child who's getting used to mama going out to work. And so um, it's illustrated by Vanessa Brantley Newton, who's amazing. And I thought that she and I might need to now write mama's work pajamas might need to be what we write now. Oh, yeah. I know. There's definitely a lot of, there's definitely a lot of pajamas going on. Yeah. And then the other one is, I mean, I I have heard what's been nice is I've heard some people have been reading Stop That Yawn, which is illustrated by Win Pham um, for something a little bit more joyful. That's, you know, um, contagious, which is just a yawn (laughs) back when we could go out there. Um, And it's for sort of the kids who who don't really want to go to bed, but um, it's a way to kind of get help, get their body sleepy. 
Oh yeah, I know. And that's, I think a hard thing also for parents because, you know, mm-hmm. it, I know that's been across the board. It's, you know, my house and other people just saying to kind of get their kids to bed on time because. Well, affect levels, right. Or really must be very disruptive disrupted right now because the kids are off of their routines and they're not. Um, and with Stop That Yawn, which is really, uh, you know, just sort of a joyful frolic of a book. But when I do things with kids um, and I have, will have, or will put that activity up, um, it's actually a way to explore how to help your body feel either really energetic and up and awake or to how you help your body feel, you know, calm down. Um at the end of the day, because I think right now that's like, we're all having to adjust. Um, and especially when there's small children who are used to getting a lot more run around time. Yes, I know. When it's not nice out, it's hard. So, um, yep, absolutely. Yeah. But I really appreciate so much. Like you're inviting me and your kind words mean a lot to me because of your work, which I find, um, really wonderful and special. And I know that, I know that the people you're working with must be really um, benefiting and grateful for you working really hard to adjust to the new, the new way of communicating. Uh, well, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language Jerry Mealtime. 